What's going on, everybody? You got Jay Banana here, and you are listening to STL by Design, brought to you by AIGA St. Louis. If you're joining us for the first time, we are president and vice president of AIGA St. Louis, and our intent with this show is to highlight any efforts at the intersection of creativity and positive impact. And this week, we are with Caitlin Metz. How's it going? Good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming out and, and doing this with us. Yeah. We're it's excited. very fancy. Mm, try. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of wires, so it automatically makes it more professional. Just make notes. Yes. It truly feels like that. As, yeah, as I stare down at the table, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, so, Caitlin. Jason. Tell us about yourself. Start anywhere. Uh. On a chilly November day in 1988, <laughs> um, I am. Wow, that was weird. So Actually, oh, sorry. You helped me craft my very first elevator pitch ever. What? You like were doing draw. I think it was you. Were you like doing drawings with people? And then <gasps> you said like, "Who oh, are yeah. you?" Oh my god! And gosh. I was like, "I am a tender, queer, feisty introvert, early morning I, art making kind of human that, that wants to fuck shit up with empathy." Shit. Wow! Yeah. Oh my gosh! Can we add that to the episode time, artwork, please? First time I ever had to write a one-liner. That's amazing. Small world, mm-hmm. cyclical world, I guess. Yeah. Well, we went to school together. So okay, well, whatever. It's so cool. <laughs> I was going to leave that out until later <laughs> in the episode. But <laughs> Sorry, I ruined cat's it. cat's out oh. of the bag now. Whoops. I'm all also, over the place today. while I'm looking for this image, what a fantastic phrase. The cat's out of the bag. Isn't it great? Just picture the cat <laughs> jumping out I of the I have literally Just experienced that. Cat. It's not great. It's a little terrifying. There's a lot of chaos that follows. That you is know? an excellent show you all and I, we're gonna use that I, we for we should yeah we totally should so this was for a project here we go this was for the vibe switch yeah. that yeah. was an extension of your uh, capstone, capstone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's this hair. it's his hair it's his hair <laughs> it grows indeed god no we're not using this Use it. I'm stressed out about it. I'm definitely one of those people who looks at their older stuff. See, this is why I don't look at my older stuff sometimes. Well, a lot. Hold on. I was having a conversation about this today, and I was like, if you're not looking back and hating your prior choices or art or whatever, then you're not growing and getting true. better. So, like, when you look back and you have that cringe feeling, really it should be, that should be, like, indicative of, like, betterment or growth or i agree with that so i agree with that it call. still doesn't make it feel any better no <laughs> i didn't realize i thought you had that stuff put together already i didn't know dude you i did. worked so hard on that like <laughs> hours you don't even know oh wow yeah and i i used it as my tinder bio so you really inspired a deep part of my <laughs> <laughs> all right all facets of life yeah yeah life is a web it is true. So, where are you from and what's your background? I'm from a tiny town in Indiana called Kokomo. That is not as exotic as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I was homeschooled, so I was like a weird little nerd drawing a lot. We didn't have a TV, and um, the only activity I did was like go to church, which was really long and boring, so I would just draw all through church. Um, yeah, and then I moved to St. Louis to go to school and did graphic design at Maryville and then did a master's program through Vermont um, where I did like weird experimental stuff and a lot of research. Um, what was the question? You answered it. Uh, did I? Where okay. are you from? Good, great. Yeah. You did oh, your yeah. job. And then where did you go? Yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and, here we, and here we are. And here we are. That's amazing. <laughs> so what what's your involvement now with the sort of St. Louis community? Mm. I feel like it is budding and growing in really new ways. I'm uh very much prefer to be alone in my studio or my basement. Um so I've been working on like venturing into the world, which is scary and exciting um i've been working a lot with rise coffee house um my partner victoria and i created a mural and a sound poetry piece on the side of there and i am collaborating with them inside to work on um just like a bunch of different projects to like help integrate the community better into the space so that feels really important and big right now um otherwise i don't know that i would say i'm like the most involved in St. Louis because I'm usually hiding. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but Rise and that mural feels really um, true to St. Louis right now in my work. That's cool. I like that place. Dude, it is... I could talk for hours about how much I love Rise. If it, it wasn't is, like just a uh, little bit farther than I want to travel mm -hmm. sometimes I would be there all the time because I usually so when I edit these episodes I usually like go to a coffee house because I can't do it at home there's just too mm -hmm. many things yeah too many distractions and uh I've been like traveling to different coffee shops I have like a rotation that I go through and rise is like on that list but it's just like a little bit farther than sometimes I want to go yeah so I usually end up at kitchen house because it's like five minutes away <laughs> yeah my but. favorite coffee house to hide in is gelateria because there's like yeah. upstairs in the back there's this Grand. closet yeah they have an upstairs yeah they're oh my god the Whoa. upstairs is amazing and there's like a closet that they've turned into like a desk area so you're like literally hidden in the Whoa, corner i want oh. that it's the best i'm gonna go there next yeah time. That's where i go and i really <laughs> want to get work done rise is where i go when i'm like feeling adorable and i want to like see cute queer people and i'm like oh, <laughs> Uh, or it, it just like feels so homey and warm. It does. You just walk into Rise and it's like everyone is like your friend. They're so nice. Oh it's God. so relaxing. I can't get a lot of work done there. No, it's like way too. Not super productive. It's very like active. Yes. Yeah, it's a, a really good active on. space. Yeah, which is great. And the patio <laughs> in the summer. Yeah. Nice. Bro. Yeah. We have some good coffee shops. Anyway, we digress again. So we kind of actually, you kind of already covered your your mantra, your manifesto, the beginnings of your manifesto a little bit in your elevator pitch, which Javen helped you with. Uh, yeah, Javen Apparently. But yeah. I want to know more about it and like how that came to be. Yeah. So manifesto writing really came out in grad school. So in my grad program, 
um, I was really exploring like my childhood and religious upbringing and deconstructing a lot of belief systems um, and I was very slowly coming out um, as the perfect queer babe that I am and so the way that I was doing that was I was taking a lot of self-portraits and then I would paint either on the after I'd printed out the portrait I would like paint or write on it or what I like transitioned to doing was like painting with acrylic paint on my body and then photographing myself um, and those were like it started out where I would write I remember like the first I still have it it's like full of misspellings but I wrote down all the things that I had been told were true about me about my body about like my place in the world and so I painted that on this like huge like piece of paper and then I gessoed over it so you could just like see it a little bit and then I basically just wrote the opposite of that on top of it and it was the first time that I really remember feeling like oh this is like I wrote this I believe this this is who I am and it was just such a powerful experience to do that and then I just have like I just am constantly doing that and so I I love the idea of people writing personal manifestos as this way to like manifest or connect to who they are in that like like we often like are so self-critical of like who we are as a person so we'll like see all of our flaws but like kind of seeing into the future as like who is your best self or who are you aspiring to be and writing that as though it's true in the present um so that's where I'm always like thinking about manifesto and then I love to talk about them in terms of being like a living document or constantly changing because we're always evolving. So this, um, I refer to it as like forever a rough draft or like this piece that to be alive and to be dynamic has to be that it is constantly changing and evolving with you. Um, so one of my, like my, my work really centers around just like the language and writing and the way we want to speak about ourselves. And that was part of how I connected with Victoria, my partner. Um, we like combined those together and we created um, a zine called A Guide to Writing Yourself. And it was like um, they at the time were working as a therapist and had all of this like knowledge and understanding that I was like intuitively working into but didn't actually have the basis for. So we created all these workshop series and zines that would like help others write their own manifesto and really connect to their like in an embodied way so they could like write really write their body out um so that's where the manifesto work has like taken me and evolved and now it's kind of like morphing into other weird shapes um that are yet to be seen by me <laughs> <laughs> when you were writing this manifesto and like you kind of talked about this because it's it's mostly for like it, the process of writing it is helpful mm -hmm internally for yourself mm -hmm. and for your own kind of edification but were you also kind of writing it with the intent of it like kind of getting out there and being on your website and being that prominent or was it something that you're writing just kind of for yourself and then when you finished it was like oh I want to share this or I think it needs to be out there to define to help kind of help people understand who I am mm -hmm. it always starts as like a love letter to myself or a conversation between me and myself and a lot of them like don't see the light of day but usually like if it's really resonating and feeling true if I post part of it 
people are like, oh my God, me too, like this thing. And that really helped me in moments where I was feeling so alone or like crazy just to hear everyone being like, oh my God, yes, I also feel the same. Like this morning I woke up just like super sad about something and I was just like, you know, emo posting on my Instagram (laughs) stories. But I was like, you know, if you are, if you woke up today sad and like you're feeling this way, like, I don't know, I was kind of talking to myself, but it was also to the people who are following me. And so many people throughout the day today have been like messaging me and being like, thank you, I needed this. Or like, I was feeling this way too. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one. And I think that is where I hope my work always exists is in this space where we feel a little bit less lonely because I've just spent so much time like feeling like there's something wrong with me or I'm crazy and hearing and the the way that I've moved through that too is you know by seeing other people go before me and like share where they've been at and so then I can be like oh my god okay someone else has like walked this path I'm not like navigating it alone like here's a touchstone yeah so in any spot that I could be a touchstone to someone else but anytime I set out to create something that is like I will create this for the people is like garbage just like <laughs> straight <laughs> garbo like not useful and that's the thing I've been really trying to relearn and remember is that like the only way I'm gonna make good work is to like go be alone and like go and go for a walk and like go to my favorite tree and like look at the sky and take pictures of clouds and follow weird curiosities that don't actually make any sense or make me any money and from that something always comes out of it but it's terrifying to it's hard to remember that when you're like oh my god I have to like pay my bills because then you're like trying to just like white knuckle you're like okay they liked this thing before let me just make it again and then it's like never is good never yeah I think I I think I've discovered that myself too is like when I'm making things I'm like okay I'm making it for this external purpose Mm -hmm. It's just shit. It's <laughs> it just doesn't feel yeah. good. It feels like I feel like I know I'm making it for this purpose. So everyone else knows that mm-hmm. it's only being made because of this reason. Whereas if you're doing something for yourself or at least that begins as something mm-hmm. for yourself without any expectation of this has to go out into the world or this has to send a specific message or like when I was in college always worrying about you know, everything I made had to have some kind of significance. Everything had to have a mess, like a really important or like dynamic message to it kind of thing. And it, it doesn't <laughs> like sometimes I just make things that are pretty and it mm-hmm. makes me happy and that's fine. I think as long as you kind of understand that about yourself, it just makes it that much better. And then sometimes you get you it evolves into something bigger become something but you can't force it into that channel of like this is gonna mean something yeah it just doesn't it's never worked for me I feel like sometimes it works for people I don't understand how it works (laughs) it's like for me I have to set a time just like blank space where there's like the whole goal is like nothing and it is so hard for me to do that I just I'm constantly like having to relearn and let go and be like doing nothing is the most important thing you can do right now because I mean then you get bored and then you make something like my number one goal for this year is just to be bored like let myself get bored like create opportunity like shut off my wi-fi for a week I don't know just like how do I make myself bored again so then I have to like create or like do something where actually so I'm not numbed out (laughs) yeah I like that I like it too I wouldn't 
<laughs> He's like, I wouldn't no, do it, but, but I like I, it. It was the I wouldn't either. Yeah, that's uh, what we were like. We're, yeah, we're with you. We're with you. Ah, I don't know about that. But you know, I've been trying to like read more, like do things that are a little bit more analog because that that feels. Also, my eyes have been hurting a lot, and I think I've been staring at screens for too long. That is a thing. So I've been like reading a lot more. And trying to find a little bit in that and, like, getting outside or, like, doing yes. things that aren't, like, graphic design related mm-hmm. or work related or even sometimes podcast related mm-hmm. or AIGA related. Like, all of these all these professional, quote-unquote, things that are always getting in the way <laughs> of the fun sometimes, which they well, can be like fun. It's like making space for play. Yeah, like exactly. Your brain isn't like you're not making the same connections if you're yeah. always in that. And even if you're like, there are people, and I am not one of them, who can come home and create and do something different, and from work or from mm-hmm. whatever their profession is. Um, and I just can never do that because I still feel the pressure of the work day or like mm-hmm. when I was a student, I still felt the pressure of like an assignment. And part mm-hmm. of that was like always assuming it has to be external. But there's something nice about being in creative outlets where it's still there's still creativity attached to it, but it's not something that you feel like you're gonna get ever judged on. Even if you put it out there, mm-hmm. it's just for yourself. And you don't feel like it has to be connected to your career. It's not something that you've been taught formally. So you don't have all these things running through your head all the time about what things should be or shouldn't be. So there's something refreshing about that that I've really enjoyed lately. Yes. It's hard. I can't go home and like illustrate more sometimes mm-hmm. just you know and they've got like the work mentality and there's just completely different aesthetic than mine and then making things like this is, i don't know what's happening <laughs> <laughs> this belongs in a theme park i feel like so. that's the curse <laughs> of making money from the thing that you love it's hard because then you can't do it when you get home you sometimes yeah. maybe you can i can't <laughs> i just want to watch tv when i get home a lot of the times so i'm trying not to do that as much but yeah Anna, you were talking about how when you were younger, everything or a lot of things that you made, (coughs) you felt like you should have had meaning. What does that mean to you? I think that part of it was the college I went to was very like concept heavy. And so a lot of things had this deep story behind them. A lot of things were very social justice oriented or very aware and that's awesome and I always wanted to be a part of that and and make things that kind of supported those and like perpetuated those kinds of voices and I just could never quite find a way to do it and I think it's because I was forcing it I was latching on to issues from a more academic perspective Mm -hmm. and then trying to put them into art and that's just not how I I operate um And I've learned that because I think school is so structured, it's hard to come to these things organically sometimes when you have like the pressure of school happening and then, you know, you have an assignment and you have to fill, you you have to finish the assignment so you can't be thinking about it forever. Those sorts of things that always are kind of adding up. Whereas now, if you're an adult, if you have time outside of work, there's no real deadline. You can kind of think about things and let them sit in your head and consider whether or not it's something that, you need to be creating or if you're just creating it just to have it out there because everyone else you know is making stuff that serves these purposes you know 
doesn't have to be that for me at least um because i don't i don't think me putting out stuff like that is any is helping anyone or productive in any way if it's not authentic and if it's not coming from a place that actually holds meaning to myself because then i think that translates as a little bit kind of detached and forced when it goes out Mm. if it does you know so I think that's where I struggled was just a lot of the things that I was surrounded with were very like we're very aware there is a lot of a lot of really rich kind of story and history and meaning behind everything that people were doing and I always wanted to be that person but maybe I'm not that person and I found other outlets for it which I think I have Right? Like I've thought about this recently is like, oh, well, I found other ways to do it that I never would have thought of. But like if I had forced it on myself, it would have, you know. Anyway, this is not my <laughs> this is not my podcast episode, but it literally is your podcast. It, it is my podcast. Is. Yeah. This well, is one of the ways in which I think that this has been effective is like of doing something, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever small. <laughs> <laughs> and then she dies. Um, <laughs> whatever small impact it has, whatever it does is that, and I would have never, even, I guess we've been around for a year and a half, even two years ago, expected really that I would be doing this. Ooh, here's the thing Elizabeth Gilbert talks about um, the difference between a job or, okay. A hobby, a job, a career, a vocation. And she breaks them all down. And when I watched it, it blew my mind. Because I was like being able to distinguish and differentiate the different parts of my life. um, Between like, what do I, so like your hobby is this thing you just do for fun. Like, no, you don't need external validation. You don't need money from it. You might be cooking or gardening or bird watching or like, Netflix, whatever. You're just like, this is the thing you love. And your job is where you make money. Like you, the thing that you do in exchange for paying your bills. So it's like this contract we have in this capitalist world, right? We have to have a job of some sort, but you don't have to love it. It doesn't have to be great. You just have to do it. And your career is a job that you put more of yourself into, right? Like you're putting extra, you work late, you're trying to advance. You really want to move through that. And then your vocation is like this promise to yourself where you will like for all like for Elizabeth Gilbert like her vocation is writing and currently it's also her career but for a long time it wasn't and she worked a series of jobs to support her vocation and she's like right now it's my career but someone can take that away from me publishing might not exist people might start hating my work but she's like I will still continue to write and I just like this concept really helped us thought of like what is it I want to do how do I want to support it do I want to put the pressure on it to make me money? Like, do I want to make this my career? Do I want to go get a job so I can release some of the tension around this space? I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a nice way to like break down <sighs> like activities <sighs> of life. Mm-hmm. I think high schoolers should watch videos like, or people yeah. who are of that yes, age yes, should yes. watch yes. that. The transitional yeah. ages of when you're really struggling mm-hmm. to figure out what you and want. We, like, project this idea that everyone has to have a career and it's like not everyone wants 
to work one job forever and like climb the ladder like if you do great but like that's not what brings everyone joy like you might just want to have a job so you can do this thing that you love and that will make your life great in her book big magic i don't remember who it was but she was talking about this like some really famous writer or something who was also a plumber and he was like that's how he paid his bills because writing was i know who this person is yeah uh keep keep going it's gonna i'm gonna try not to google it but i i feel like i know who this person is <laughs> we won't judge you if you google that's okay to not but yeah it just like takes so much pressure off and i like as an enneagram three achiever and needer of validation i like i put a lot of pressure on myself and ret- you know thinking about this just in terms of like you know, I need to, like, be self-sufficient and support my, you know, like, I need a place to live and I need food to eat. But, like, I don't, like, I don't need or want, t- like, X amount of money to live whatever lifestyle because what I really want is to, like, be alone and make moody zines about my feelings and, like, give work away for free and, like, the things that really bring me joy and that I want to be doing like, I just want to be, like, hiding away in my basement, printing on my letterpress. Like, and the pressure to, like, perform and make that thing make so much money for me is, like, I mean, it would be great if I could pay my bills. But also, anytime I've put myself in a position where my art was supposed to pay for my life is, like, everything that I was doing dried up because it was just so much incredible pressure. So knowing that for me, like, gave me so much freedom to be, like, oh, I will, like, I can teach. I love teaching. That can pay my bills in a way that, like, these other things might not be able to. John Grisham. Oh, I've heard that in passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was. But isn't that great? Like. It is. Uh I'm like thinking I'm about it. Yeah, I, I am too. Processing. I'm, I'm to put the process. <laughs> both gonna go quit words. your job tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like oh <laughs> shit. What's well, and then it's interesting too. Like, I I like having it broken down, and I I don't like the word hobby a whole lot. Why? I don't know why. I just don't like it. <laughs> just one, you generic? know. There's words that mm-hmm. it feels generic. It. I don't know. It's just one of those words I don't like. There's some words that you like just don't like as a person. Time. Pastime. I don't know. There's just something there, and it and hobbies are passive, but it feels like a very passive word mm. for it. Mm. And a lot of people I know that have hobbies are so into their hobbies, like they're so yeah. invested in it. Yeah. From like a um, specifically just because of my experience, a creative standpoint, where they're just they're so invested in what they're doing that that the term hobby doesn't feel weighty enough passion mm. passion Ooh, like their passion yeah. project maybe mm-hmm. or whatever it is this is where i let out all of my rage yes exactly mm. that's how it feels to me is it's mm-hmm. more of a passion mm-hmm. than it is just like a hobby and also like mm. i don't know it it i've always struggled with that i've always said i don't have a hobby because i don't feel like i have anything I don't know what I would say. My, I mean, it's I a love hard thing to define, and I then like I don't like the word, so I don't yeah. like using it anyway. Well, then, like, what if there's? What's your passion? Oh, what was I say? Well, I think there's. I think it's actually 
maybe more of a spectrum in that because mm. some people don't necessarily have things that they like put their soul into per se so like for example not me me but s- what i consider a hobby for myself and i literally just did this earlier today <laughs> i was going to share it on instagram but maybe i still will uh i like listening to rap songs hip-hop songs that use samples to like sample older songs and i like mm. finding that source mm-hmm. song and even if it's not a hip-hop song if it's a pop song or something like that and i'm like what is that sound i'll like yeah dig for this mm-hmm. song to know you know to know real fruitful yeah. yield but you know i do that too I don't with like, like movies yeah finding people yeah i mean yeah it, but i think that's a spectrum like kind of makes sense though like mm-hmm. that's kind of a a pastime right but mm-hmm. that's not my outlet yeah you know but i also I mean? wouldn't call that a hobby i don't know what i would call it i just because <laughs> hobby just like feels so open i don't know like what mm. what is a hobby the only thing i can think of is the you know like i knit some, that's a great some people that's a love which knitting. is a hobby yeah that's great some people I think love knitting, which though. i to be fair like i could never knit and I so i wish i, I respect knit. people that can knit so I don't See I don't say that in a in a an insulting way. It's just whenever someone says the word hobby, that is literally the first thing that I think of is knitting. <laughs> Every time. Like even cooking sometimes. And my dad was so passionate about cooking that cooking as a hobby doesn't even always cross my mind right away. Cause also because like you need food to live. Thing, so. You're s- one person's hobby might be another person's vocation. Yeah. That's so like it's, I think that's it's all where perspective it gets blurry. Too, yeah. yeah. So like if you're if their whole life is into that thing, it's probably not a hobby. Because the hobby is just like passive, like like I play piano as a hobby. Like I don't you know, it's just like a thing that I do for enjoyment. I like sometimes crochet things together very poorly. <laughs> but it's a hobby so who cares <laughs> yeah yeah i've actually been thinking i want more hobbies like i just want to do things just because and you too it's just fun like let it be like like what could that thing be that i can do so <laughs> it's it's as i mentioned earlier uh caitlin we went to school together for what three years two years we were were definitely in classes together for two years uh and it's been really interesting to see sort of how you've developed since college and sort of knowing to an extent where you were at then and sort of watching from a distance now how has your work sort of shifted over the years how is your emphasis on what you create and uh, your 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 messaging shifted if it has over the years mm. well so when i was at maryville i was constantly wanting to wake make i was constantly wanting to make personal work and i i always i was always wondering i was always wanting to shift to studio art because i really felt like i didn't belong in graphic design and I remember we went and we toured some design firms and I was like, this doesn't feel, I don't feel seen here. This doesn't feel like a space for me. And I love design in terms of like, I love typography and creating things, but I saw design as a tool to do something. And I felt like I was being asked to be a cog 
And I don't know if that was just my perception or the way that things were taught differently. Um, so I felt a lot, I just felt a lot of resistance and frustration because I was just like innately felt like I didn't belong in that space. And I knew that I could not possibly go sit behind a desk and just move designs around for something. Like I knew I didn't want to just like create something to sell. Um, so I graduated from Maryville, laid on my couch for like nine months, watching Grey's Anatomy, eating Twizzlers. <laughs> and it was f***ing dark. It was a dark time. And then I peeled myself off the couch and I started applying to grad schools because I really knew that I wanted to teach and I knew that there was something that I like needed to create. And I didn't really know what it was and I wasn't really making work on my own at that time. I was working for Amy. I was working out as an apprentice mm -hmm. at a letterpress um, shop, which was incredible um that was like one of the only things that kept me afloat during that time so then i went to grad school and i was thrown into this like highly conceptual like it i was my head was spinning like i everyone was speaking a different language i was like what the fuck is semiotics yeah. why is everyone talking about red <laughs> apples having so much meaning i was like just so like flummoxed and those it was like a the two most grueling years ever like just written with so much self-doubt and tears and crying but out of that like i really had to like dig in somewhere and i was re you know we, we had to do all this research and we got to plan our own research so i just started like i was really trying to understand what I believed, what my place was in the world. I was in the middle of leaving like a belief system that I had, you know, had created my whole identity since childhood. And I was slowly coming to terms with the fact that I was queer. And so doing all this research, having my brain just like expanded by all of these new ideas. Um, that's when I feel like my work started being mine and I started saying something up until that point I was like I'll make something pretty and I and I always wanted to make something with meaning but and I always wanted to be self-reflective mm -hmm. and I finally had a place where that was really validated and supported so grad school was like completely life-changing in terms of how my work evolved and through I'm trying to remember like the trajectory but through that time I was just really it was so hard to feel so, like to be in such a uniquely different space that I just started creating things as a means to process that. And then I was just unraveling religion, unraveling gender and sexuality and identity and just a whole like childhood trauma. And, and I started going to therapy and it just like, I don't even have words for what happened after. And I just started making just like weird shit all the time and painting on my body and like stitching into paper and making paper and wrapping it around myself and just like really like trying to let my body speak and just like be a witness and like take notation of what my body was saying. And that was around the time it was like post grad school was when I met Victoria. And that's really when I feel like the last three years has just been an explosion 
um, of kind of diving into what does it look like to make work when I'm just like listening to what my body is saying and putting that into the world. I keep feeling like I'm talking a lot. Well, well it, it is, is an interview <laughs> with yeah. you. So that is the um, very point. we struggle when they don't talk a lot yeah. because then, then you're like, then I say shit and then I listen back to it and I'm like, Oh <laughs> man, I talked a lot. So you're so doing great. For those who don't know, and to be honest, I'm a little gray on the definition myself. Can you talk to us about what it means to be queer? Mm -hmm. If, first of all, that is an answer that can be wrapped up, Mm -hmm. you know, into a, I don't know, X amount of. If if it can be wrapped up neatly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And if if that is something you are comfortable mm-hmm. defining, talking about, et cetera. Yes. Oh, I thought there was a second part. Yeah. So excellent question. Queerness for me. So this is just to be clear. This is how it feels true for me. A lot of people identify in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. use this language, but queerness as a word feels super good because it, for me, it, it encompasses both, gender and sexuality and um like a belief system almost so i have this thing that i like write all the time which is queerness as non-assumption and so i think of it in terms of just not assuming like not assuming someone's gender or sexuality or identity not just like asking and being present and not like relying on all of the like social expectations or things that we've learned so anyways like queerness as a concept feels like that for me and um I think what was really tricky for me was I so I came from this like super religious um evangelical like in my very young years cultish upbringing (laughs) and so like exploring any of this was difficult right and then at the time I was so like I started grad school I got engaged to a man and I was like I really like ladies and so it was like a a huge cluster and the word like bisexual felt so like I know that word feels really good to some people but for me it just felt like this like it felt heavy like it did not encompass what I was like feeling and and um the like range of identity or self that I felt and and gender feels really blurry to me um, just in terms of expression or how I want to be presented. And I grew up in such a way that like gender was like you are this or you are this. And you that means v- like highly, highly specific things. And it dictates your entire being in life. And that's like I've always flowed in and out of gender spaces. So queerness feels really freeing for me to identify like just like as a blanket statement to be like I'm queer feels like my gender my sexuality can both identify under that Mm -hmm. um and just like my relationships like I'm married but we exist in an open space and like friendships blur into like romance and you know it's just like all these different things kind of um like there's a lot of spaciousness that I work to cultivate and just like non-assumption Word. 
I don't um, know why I got self-conscious halfway through this, but now I'm like, oh my God, words. <laughs> Just wait until you have to hear yourself say the same thing over and over and over again. I will never get used to hearing my voice. That's fine. Yeah. I just don't care anymore. I know you don't. It must be nice. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we were javen? <laughs> and we wouldn't have to hate ourselves. This one is as, big as, as busy as this yeah. bowl of wires here. <laughs> Does your brain ever just feel like a, you know, it's just like a huge scribble? All the time. That is, I, I think that's I been my whole day, <laughs> All whole the time. year. I don't know. I try, and when I can, I like it's a obviously your mind is kind of always like that, but right. there's like a singular moment when it's like almost your like vision goes weird, and you're just like you're in a cluster. And I've been working really hard to like when I notice that to be able to pause and be like, I know I'm not grounded. Like I, there's multiple messages and voices here, and to like write them out and be like. This voice is saying this, this is saying this, this is saying this. It's like my, I think that's going to be my lifelong work. But yeah, that moment of like, I think the most important part is like being able to m- identify when you're like really in that cluster. Be like, okay. Being aware and in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, uh, which you probably know this, but that's a form of meditation. Uh, I eventually like found my way to, uh, fuck, what is the app called? Headspace. Ah, Headspace. I've heard. So I saw it in like an Instagram ad. And one thing that they always say, I haven't used it in a while, but one thing they always say is like, imagine your thoughts as fish in a stream. We're Mm. cutting that whole shit out, by the way. Oh, no, no, I know. Can we keep this part in? Yes. Okay, that's what I figured. Uh, So once I discovered this app that is not paying us quite yet to mention their name, so I'm not going to do it again. Uh, they say that will be one thousand dollars headspace. <laughs> no shit, but Anna just did it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's getting cut out because I'm not gonna solicit. <laughs> we should we should leave that air. No, that I'm not. Still it's funny. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, uh, so one thing that they always say is to imagine your thoughts as fish in a stream, and as people, or as even as like a hunter, a bear, or you know something like that they don't go for every single fish, Mm -hmm. right? They acknowledge that there are fish in the stream, Mm. and if they choose to (laughs) go after one of the fish, the thoughts, they go for it. They grab that one fish, because in trying to, you know, pay attention to everything in the stream, there is detrimental chaos to that, and that's not what we want. We want to be grounded in this one fish in this stream Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that this is what it is and i actually i found that super useful yeah i like that yeah i write lists a lot that's Mm -hmm. how i organize my fish (laughs) yeah that was interesting i I was thinking i i love that but like i have to write down what all the fish yeah i can't keep track of them because i forget there's a um a really good exercise at one of the design and diversity conferences uh with george i couple years ago a few years ago where um he had us write on post-its and this was project more project related so less like all the fishies in the Mm -hmm. seas and just the blue ones but (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) just pick the (laughs) color um one list of projects that you were super excited and passionate about ones that you couldn't wait to work on all the time 
projects that you were happy with that were cool um and that you wanted to work on but the that that added kind of passion for working overtime on them wasn't there and then the projects that you just dreaded and you had to get done no matter what like you just kind of had to like suck it up and get it over with um and then i (laughs) to be honest i can't remember the point of that exercise um there's a lot of like considering i I think a lot of it was considering like the ones that are in your first bucket and your second bucket are the ones that you really need to like put forth the energy and the ones that are in those third that third bucket that you're doing are you why you know why are you doing these why do you feel like you have to do them why are you putting yourself through this obligation and then it kind of led into a conversation about when you as a person in your gut know to say no to things know when to turn things down know when to prioritize and what you're prioritizing but that initial list was what stuck with me the most just be (coughs) just because it made me really think about you know I have a million things going on all the time what things do I actually care about and writing them down having them in a concrete kind of list that I could look at was very very helpful because there were some that I definitely had forgotten existed so that was important (laughs) to be reminded that they were there Um, and I kind of wish I had a way sometimes I feel like I need to organize them in like long term short term middle term Mm -hmm. because you get stuck so much in the short term stuff that you forget the long term stuff until it becomes short term stuff and then that's when your mind just goes because you just have too much going on and Mm -hmm. playing that constant catch up is what gets me in that space of like a tangled head a lot but like having them organized and then being like I can put forth a lot more energy and headspace into this one and I'll get the other one done I'll do a good job I'm not going to put in as much emotional investment, though, you know. When I love that as an exercise to remember, like, what to say no to. It was it was a great, yeah, they're, um, <sighs> God, see, now I'm going to have to go to Google, because it's this firm out of Chicago, and they have this whole online thing you can do whenever you're doing a project that's kind of like a worksheet of mm-hmm. instinct and, like, when to say no and, like, it's great i know i'm I trying to it. think mm. design good good design uh, i'm gonna look it up because they those are all words that are involved but they are also all very generic words <laughs> and so greater good studio <sighs> greater good studio is the name and they're great they're an amazing firm george is an amazing guy um and he talked a lot about, you know, when you're younger, you're cranking. You're always saying yes to things because mm-hmm. the exposure, the opportunity, the the mm-hmm. um, the constant professional development, you know. <laughs> but but at what cost? The endless <laughs> search for validation. <laughs> your soul. <laughs> like, you're selling your soul with some of these projects. And when yeah. to say no and, like, when when to sense in your gut that something is wrong. And I think it's called, I think that the system they go through is called your gut check and it's just you know it's written down and it's laid out because designers like that but it is essentially a gut check of like do you feel do you feel right doing this whatever your reasons are 
Um, but I, I really like that, and I think about it sometimes. I don't think about when I'm al <laughs> already, like, going nuts, but... Yeah, so when I go nuts, I write all my... When I when my head goes all weird, I write everything down that I have to do. You know, organize it by project or by list or whatever it is. And then I have a really, <laughs> I have a really long list, and sometimes that has the opposite effect. But for just a moment... <laughs> For one moment, there's <laughs> it peace. feels nice, and sometimes I like to write things down that I know I've already done. Yes, because and then, then I cross, cross them off, off and you get and that endorphin. I'm like, I, I've already crossed off three of the, you know, fifty things. <laughs> Come unstoppable! <laughs> <laughs> Come on! <laughs> I ate lunch. I went to know. the bathroom. Yeah, I drank a glass of water. <laughs> you know, I've only got seven more to go. So, or I like micro organize it. So it's like get water and then get Pour water, get water, get water. So I have it for every, <laughs> like if, if that were on my to-do list, I would say like at 8 a.m. at 9 a.m. or whatever. So I could cross them off individually because then it looks like I have crossed off <laughs> more, th more things. Brilliant. Anyway. <laughs> There's no way I could operate that way. I just like have you I would seen write my desk. Yeah, <laughs> there's true. a lot of lists at my desk. There's I get no <laughs> way. I get me fun of a lot for not really like in a mean way, but for your I tiny writing. For well, yes, for my <laughs> thank you for reminding Rightfully me. Rightfully so. For yep. my tiny writing, but also because well, pro probably because it's tiny, I write on post-its a lot. <laughs> so sometimes I just have an explosion of post-its at my desk because I can write a whole list of to-dos on a post-it, um, or like a whole like I'll just bring a a pack of post-its like a uh, meeting <laughs> and I'll just write on those and then I'll like stick it somewhere and then I'll write another one and I'll just stick it and it just becomes one long piece of paper which I've gotten better at because I know it's wasteful I, I don't use post-its quite so much I use I have a large pad of paper mm. that I just write a bunch of shit on <laughs> it helps and my handwriting's small so I can organize <coughs> organize it is it more wasteful to use post-its if Only you because use them well, because I use them as an organizational tool, so like I'll write notes from one meeting on one post-it. If it doesn't fill the post-it, I'm not gonna write notes from another meeting on that same post-it. That would just be ridiculous. Uh, well, so, th <laughs> so then I have to move on to another post-it. So that's why uh, it gets wasteful. Is because I, well, I use them because if I have a lot of things going on, and I write them all on post-its, I can take that post-it and like stick it onto like a larger piece of notes or I can stick it onto the deck that I'm doing or whatever and I can like move them around and it's more agile. Um, Sounds brilliant. But that's how I used to write papers. It was great. I use post-its because I'm super distractible. If I had not been homeschooled, I probably would have been diagnosed <laughs> with ADD out <laughs> the ass. But so I will literally write down like the one to three things that I need to be doing and I like put it right on my computer because otherwise I do that too yep. I just I'm like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing yeah everything's done way. I could just <laughs> not do I do that at the now. end of the day I'm like you stopped here so can you talk about your partner Victoria and sort of the things you all have been up to Got um it. yeah they are taking some time off right now so I'm <coughs> flying so yeah because usually when we're talking my work is like singular in me, but then we also work as a collective. Mm -hmm. um, so we just finished writing a book together. Um, 
which will come out October sixteenth, twelfth, a day in mid October. We'll be ready. Awesome. Yeah. So we met uh, right after, like somewhere after I graduated from grad school, maybe like a year after grad school, and like through mutual friends and just like met up a couple times and realized that our work was super parallel. I mean, it was just like, it was uncanny looking at like my grad work and their grad work and the intersections of it. And we were in totally different spaces, but it was so, it like was constantly informing the other. And so the first thing that we did was we created the zine called a guide to writing yourself. And it's like broken into s- I don't know, five or seven sections and it's like all of these prompts that guide you through some sort of self-reflection and then by the end of it you have the ideas that you've gathered all of this information from inside that is what you would need to write your manifesto and then it guides you through that so we created that zine it was a hit and then we were like wait there's so much more here so then we created an online course built off of the zine and that so that was like our first like baby that we created together and then so that existed under the name of on being in your body so that happened we like got on instagram instagram kind of like quickly exploded way faster than we thought um and then that was when we got the book deal and our book is like this illustrated guide um it explores how you may have left your body um, and kind of talks about ways that you could then return to yourself, um, which is this like pure mashup of our works together. So working with them is like this pure brain magic where like usually what happens in the best ways is like we're drinking wine and Victoria's like reading like Foucault or something allowed to me and then like referencing some like very nerdy paper they wrote like a million years ago (laughs) and then I'm like standing on a chair being like but like did you even know how this feels in my body (laughs) and they were just like it's like this ping pong match and it's like just you know a really beautiful brain orgy and god I just love making work with them it's so magic when you find someone who like your work's just inform and support and build on the other one um sorry I feel so many um <laughs> yeah it's just it it's been really really magic we spent a whole summer um two years ago just like driving up the coast the west coast and just teaching all these workshops and it's just so cool to create this work together and see the response that people are having to it um and like always coming back and it's rooted in as we were talking in the beginning like going inward and creating this thing and then so you know we're both at our best we're both creating our own work and then we're talking to each other about it and something crazy magic happens then and then we make a thing that goes into the world and the response to that is just always overwhelmingly positive and supportive where people are like oh my god how did you put into words or how did you express this? And I think it is like Victoria's this incredible writer and sound poet <coughs> and um, just this brilliant 
thinker like their mind is just like they have like the the most beautiful brain and then I come in and I'm like illustrating and mind mapping and like we're like you know building off of each other um it's like that escalation in the best kind of way so yeah that's how I do it I love that so much It's it's hard to find someone to create with in that way. Like that's God, that's it so is, awesome. It is like there's I like when people talk about soulmates in a romantic way, I'm just like, okay, that's so dumb. <laughs> but like when you find a creative soulmate where your work just like you're you feel so completely seen and understood, and your works just like fit together. Um, there's nothing like it. And I don't think it's a thing that just like happens or like that you can just like work hard at it and find it just like, it's the serendipitous, like weird magic sorcery thing that I just, yeah, I'm blushing. (laughs) Awesome to have a, a relationship like that. And then just be always inspired by something and, Kind of like you said earlier where people are saying, I never understood how to talk about that or how to articulate that or express it in any way other than, you know, how I'm feeling. And I think part of the reason probably that you're able to do it is because of this constant creative kind of back and forth that and this dialogue that you're able to have where not everyone necessarily has that and they are kind of bouncing ideas inside you know internally or if they have other people that they work with creatively that connection isn't always there it's all you know that's a rarity so being able to have someone you can communicate with on that level helps to inform how you articulate it out into the world so yeah absolutely and it's cool that now that you're able to articulate what a lot of people can't in a way that they relate to, that they get something out of it too, and they're learning from these experiences. So that's cool. Shout out Victoria, damn it. Yeah. Victoria. Wherever you are, you're doing a great job. Mm, we're sorry we yeah. uh, couldn't be, couldn't have you on, but. We'll give you a shout out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, how can people follow what you're doing? Yeah. Um, Instagram is where I'm most active. So, you can, Victoria and my shared project is on being in your body. So, and then I am Katie underscore Metz, which is it's spelled strangely. But C A T I E. Yeah. Under. Yeah. 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 C A I T I E. Because my name is Caitlin, it's Caitlin. which is C A I T L I N. I guess it is spelled that way if you say so. Wait, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Now, now I'm questioning oh no. myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm right about how this to spell is, my this name. Is my name. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, yeah, sure as <laughs> shit, it is. I'm not arguing with him. I guess I just never noticed that. What are you going to do? Well, now we know. Not a whole lot. Now we know. So. Yeah. You can take my online course. Uh. On being <laughs> in your body has sixty three thousand followers. That's Dude, amazing. It just, like, what the f- happened? That is <laughs> a good <laughs> ass question. That's incredible. Weird, this is not paid for. Fo- this is like I see. Not I see that. Because like, 
and I'm glad you said that because because that's know, real. That is hella real. You look yeah. at people's profiles and they're like, oh, I've got, they've got five thousand followers, and look at their likes, and it's like two fucking likes. Yeah. So it's like, all right, but this like consistently two thousand sixteen hundred twenty three hundred. How did you do this? Did you just like live your life? We just lived our life. Living la vida fucking loca. Live the life and partner with the best human in the world. <laughs> that helps. It does. The best people work. Yeah. I did not mean that as a double meaning. <laughs> the best people are great. <laughs> the best people do not suck. Um all right, should we, All right, should so we wrap this up? Final question, final okay, actual yeah, yeah. question. Okay. We throw this curveball at people sometimes. Ooh, I'm ready. <coughs> if you had 60 seconds to speak to the entire planet. It's a hell of a question, isn't it? What would you say? And it doesn't have to be necessarily related to this conversation. It doesn't. No. It can be just whatever you want. It can be like, hey, yo, learn how to make a grilled cheese. Mic drop. Valid. I'm out. Which is, uh, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's hella valid. It's very so important <laughs> so life skill. Hey, don't burn my f- No. Uh, don't we burn my mac and cheese. Well, we almost turned into a tangent again. But <laughs> what would you say? Well, I feel like the thing that I'm always trying to say in my work is like, you're not f-ing alone, which sounds so creepy. You're also like, you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> but like, I think the thing that unifies us the most is that we all feel lonely and like not lonely and like, oh, I'm sad because I'm alone tonight, but just this like deep rooted sense of like, I'm crazy or like I don't belong or I'm not in, you know right in some way like I'm not the normal that I'm supposed to be and I think that's like the most unifying thing between us and I just want to be like it's actually hella ironic <laughs> that how right you are is yeah. super ironic yeah Victoria our mural the sound poetry piece that they did that connect to the mural just so brilliant they had all these people come in and repeat these phrases and then respond to her like questions like what does it mean to belong or like where do you belong and then victoria pieced all their responses together and it is this incredible no one knew what anyone else was saying and it's like they're speaking to each other and answering each other's questions and just like responding and like just making so vividly clear that our most unified experience is that we just feel like we don't belong so I just want to be like, it's okay. I feel sad too. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. Please go to therapy. <laughs> if you have the resources, go to therapy. Also, let's make it better. Res- like, uh, I'm tired. <laughs> so, like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Make it more accessible. Could make, do a whole make, new episode on therapy. Can honestly. we make therapy accessible? So, like, you know, being like, go the f- to therapy is like only useful for like, you know, straight white. Very boys. specific group of people with very specific advantages. Yes, <laughs> but if you have, there's also are an oh an incredible amount of people who have access to it that don't use it, and also a lot of people who don't. So, but like, hell yeah. 
Well, Kaylin, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Dealing with us through our technical difficulties as we, we always, always have tend to have. And Sometimes when it works really well, I get worried. You're just humanizing the experience. You yeah. know, if we had just sat down and you started asking me questions, I probably would have got so nervous. I've been like, I gotta go anxiety poop. <laughs> but instead, I just took like a quick pee because, you know. You don't have uterus. anxiety issues. Okay. Yes. And, and uterus. <laughs> On that note, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to Critical once again for the music. We uh, we need to evaluate get looking into a new track for these. Probably episodes. it's been a while, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. A kid makes the a music. lot of music anyway, so <laughs> I can buy a, buy a beat off of them. I bet. And um, thank, thank you, you to our listeners. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you to our listeners. Without whom, none yep. of this would be possible. Well, it no, would be possible, possible, but we would just be talking to ourselves. Yes. Which is cool Which too. Which would also be great. Yeah. Which is also fun, but we appreciate that you're listening. You could be doing anything else with your time. You could be watching paint dry in silence. In silence. Yep. We have to add that now because Folding. we realize that you can watch paint dry and also listen to a podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's I a flaw in that option. Podcasts <laughs> are how I do like chores at home. Yeah. Because mm. it's like, it's so menial, like folding laundry or washing dishes or yeah. something. I must. Like, my you brain. You can focus hurts on our voices instead. Isn't that right. soothing? Isn't that nice to know? <laughs> We're going to be doing an ASMR uh, episode next. So just be ready for oh that. Oh, God. One. Scratch the. Oh, no. We don't have to. I hope they can hear that. I hope we hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will. And I'm going to have to hear it a couple times while I cut it out, too. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. So thank you all. We uh, we appreciate it. Um, You know, we, again, I believe we'll be airing this episode beforehand, but. Sorry, I think well, you're there's two. Say there's the two things. Thing. What's there's two I, things. What one the is the student happening? conference. The other one oh, is yeah. um, designing equity. Yeah. So the student conference is on February fifteenth, and actually the night before, there's going to be a mixer for students and designers for anyone really who wants to come is at Central Print. All yes, right. that's a fact. Um, at Central Print, we'll be making some prints. There'll be some buttons. There'll um, be a lot of cool stuff, and then just hang out. So if you want to go to that, you can go to that alone uh, or uh, by itself, or <laughs> you can go alone, go too, alone. whatever, on Valentine's Day. Bring the Day. suitcase. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, oh. Or, yes, oh. it might be a cute little date, though, because you get to print things, and I would do that. And please don't be creepy. Well, yeah, that's We it. trust that none of you will be. But anyway, so, but on the 15th is the student conference. If you're a junior or senior in a design program uh, at a college, it doesn't have to be in St. Louis, but we're assuming most of them will be. Uh, the student conference is a great way to get your portfolio reviewed by industry professionals here in St. Louis. And it's also a great way to get in some workshops with local designers and those will be announced soon but we got some really cool workshops lined up i'm one well i was trying not to say that because they haven't announced it yet javen cut it out (sighs) anyway technology it's fine are Uh, you gonna be there by chance uh, i was there last year because i was teaching a workshop but right 
but not this year. Do I have to like pay to come? Do you want to be a reviewer? Because then you don't. Oh god, that sounds terrifying. Okay, then never mind. No. I think you can just pay for the keynote speakers, or you oh yeah, Shreyas. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can pay for just the mixer reward. So, those are things. Anyway, as uh, we said in the beginning, I don't pay for anyone. Yes, that's (laughs) tempting for me as well. The, the next thing is the designing equity panel, which yeah. is happening on the 27th. Okay, I'm going to talk about that one, too. <laughs> so we I don't are, think we actually have to. I mean, Well, I just want to bring it up, though, because yeah. we want to promote it, right? Well, so sure. We're working, we're doing a partnership with We Live Here, which if you haven't listened to that episode, you should, because they're awesome, and I think it's a really cool interview. Um, but we are doing an event with them, which we mentioned in the episode, but I'll say again. On the 27th, it's free, open to the public. It'll be at Grand Center, where St. Louis Public Radio is, in their event space downstairs. It starts at 7, and the doors open at 6.30. And we'll have uh, panelists that uh, Javen and Ja will talk to about designing equity specifically in St. Louis and what it means in St. Louis. So we'll have Antoinette Carroll on of Creative Reaction Lab. We'll have Erica Hirano, who is currently a UX designer. He used to be at Creative Reaction Lab. And then we'll also have MK Stallings, who is the founder of Herb Arts. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an awesome panel. So you should definitely go. You have to register, even though it's free, um, on the St. Louis Public Radio website on their events page. And we better see you there. Please come. <laughs> it's gonna be super dope. Uh, I'm like really excited about it, actually. It's gonna be. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be awesome, and we'll have more information about it very soon. We'll be promoting it again. So. Thank you again. Everybody. Everybody involved. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram. STL by Design. STL by Design. That's it. We good? I'm good. All right. Peace out. Bye. Bye, bitches. Play us out, Grateful.